want to hear a little bit about that. And I think Wade's also got some good personal stories to add. And so we're excited to hear him and get some of his expertise in the business world um, and just kind of hear about him and what's going on in his life. So Wade. Hey, hey Jay, you know, first I'm, I'm honored that you would call me a friend. That's uh <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I don't get that too often. Okay, yeah. so I lied. <laughs> it's just, it's we started, I just want to make sure we start this thing off honestly, right? right Mackenzie asked me to call you a friend to boost you up today. Yeah, I need it. I need it. I appreciate it. Mackenzie is Wade's wife. I appreciate it. No, it's man, it's it's a pleasure being here. Um, getting to know you and what you've been doing with businesses and, and this whole platform that, that you've launched to help entrepreneurs and, and business owners. It's just I think it's amazing. So I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you. We're glad to do it. Um, hopefully we add value for people and you know, our goal and uh, anybody who's listened to the previous podcast knows that we have a passion for small businesses and we believe that small businesses are the lifeblood of our community. Absolutely. So anything we can do, and I'm excited about what you do for businesses, um, anything we can do to help those businesses thrive and survive, that's where we want to be. Yeah. Right? So, yeah you know, I, I for, for me, I get small, my love for small businesses started early. Like I, I didn't have a, I didn't have an option. It was, it was a, a no, no option opt-in that I had because I was born into a small business entrepreneurial household. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So my dad, my dad ran his own business. What uh, kind of business did he have? So he did the uh, uh, home improvement stuff, patio covers, sunrooms and those things. And, you know, it's a unique perspective that you get when, really is. when you wake up every morning and, and your dad has already been up for two or three hours and the lights are still on. And then you go to bed at night and, and he stays up for another three or four hours working at night because the perspective was from from the standpoint of he was the guy who had to make sure the light stayed on at the mill. And I remember talking to my friends about the stuff that that their dads were doing and all it's a group. There was no, nothing wrong with them. Great guys. But everything that they thought of was from the standpoint of the guy who packed his lunch and went to the mill to put in a day's work. You know, mm -hmm. and there's a very different feeling. One of the big things. Now, my dad was a tough guy. Like he, he was raised one of nine kids. Wow. My grandfather worked uh, four jobs to raise those kids. None of them good. I have a picture of my grandfather sits on my desk. He's uh he's sitting. He was a farmer, and so he's sitting there. He's got his hip boots rolled down, and he's sitting on a levee, and he's got his his shoulders are slumped down, and, and his shirt's unbuttoned because it's scorching hot, and he's just slumped over, and you can tell he's exhausted. And and somebody snapped a picture of him. And I keep it on my desk to remind me that whenever things get tough. Like that's hard work. That was a lot harder than anything I do for a living. You know? Especially farming then. That was, I mean, yeah, it didn't was, have the automation. And, no. And all of this stuff broke. He was, <laughs> and he, he had to figure out how to fix it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a rich farmer either. Like everything was broken all the time. And, and so that's where my dad grew up. And, and his dad, one of his jobs was he was a TV repairman. So that entrepreneur spirit was born right there. And so I'll, I'll never forget my dad growing up he always instilled in me this, this belief that can't is not in the dictionary. And so if I couldn't find something, I said, dad, I can't find the screwdriver. Son, can't, it's not in the dictionary. Go back and get it. Dad, I can't pick this up. Son, it's not in the dictionary. Go figure it out. Because as small I'm business gonna use owners, that. <laughs> yeah, as small business owners, that's, that's a way of life, right? Can't's not in the dictionary. We have to figure it out mm -hmm. every day. So that was, that was a unique perspective for me growing up and, and seeing that, and, and although my life took me into the corporate world and, and I thought I wanted to be an executive in a big company and stuff, it didn't take me long to figure out, you know, small entrepreneurial businesses is where I wanted to be. 
it's just a different way of life. It's, it's interesting when you talk to somebody who's doing their business and you can see it's in their heart and it's in there. It's kind of a part of who they are. And it's almost, and that was, it was God's destiny for you to go out and do this. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, that entrepreneurial spirit is, is just a certain thing. Not everybody has it and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. But when you see it in somebody, you can pick it. You know, that's, that's, you just can feel yeah. it. I remember when I used to recruit salespeople, so always look for salespeople who are entrepreneurs at heart because you said you're right. You can see it. And the thing I like about small business is this. It's one of the very few last bastions of reality left in our world. Mm -hmm. I mean, corporate America has got the corporate ladder and they have to worry about Wall Street and they have to worry about social media and they have to worry about this and that. You know, the, the, the government has to worry about three bids and, and, and making sure they follow all this red tape. The entrepreneurial world is one of the last places where you wake up and if you're the best, you win. And, and if you go to work, and, you know, I used to always tell my people, if, if you own a donut shop, would you leave to go on vacation without making sure the donut shop had enough glaze to make it the week? Absolutely <laughs> not, because it, it doesn't work out any other way. You have to do it. And that's why I love working with it, because it just has to make sense for it to work in our world. It's a, it's a sense of reality that may not necessarily exist in other places. Exactly. Because exactly. if you don't work for a week, you don't make money. That's it. And you have a family to support. And if you do work for a week, you'll probably make money. You make money. That's it. It's very <laughs> it's just simple. the way it is. It's just the way it is. There's no paid vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just simple. <laughs> Nobody's paying for your trip to go somewhere else. It's, you know, um, it, it's reality. Yeah. It's, it's. So it's tell everybody fun. the name of your company and what you're doing today. Yeah. I appreciate that. So uh, the name of my company is a company called Ignite Traction for Business. Uh, I'm an implementer for a system called EOS. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, for those not familiar with it, EOS stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. And it's a system that allows me to work with leadership teams to implement some simple tools that help them to get good in three basic areas. Now, the EOS calls the three basic areas, vision, traction, and healthy. But simply put, vision is making sure that the entire leadership team knows where we're going and exactly how we get there. There's no mutual mystification involved. Traction is just instilling the accountability and discipline through a set of tools within the organization to help that leadership team make sure they're always driving towards that vision. And then healthy really simply is making sure you have one cohesive unit as a leadership team, always working together, enjoying being together, operating as one, because frankly, even on good leadership teams, most of the time they're not. Mm -hmm. And then once we get that leadership team, so goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the organization. Right. So we just drive that down to the ground floor and maximize the rest of the organization, get more things done more quickly, driving towards that, that company's vision. So of those three things, you, I mean, you're working with customers today, which one of the ones do you think you get the most resistance? Hmm. The most resistance? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's you typically see certain issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen it in my business, certain issues that pop up right. um, in the implementation process, the struggle is going to come through resistance. Where do you see the most resistance? You know, now that I've had a second to think about it, um, I'll answer it the long way. First of all, vision is typically pretty easy because everybody has a vision. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that when I look at an organization, there are a lot of visions involved. And right. so, Everybody's running in different directions. 
So we go through a process of discovery. We get everybody on the same page. We get it there. People usually get pretty excited about that. So that's an emotional thing. Um, I would say the biggest challenge is traction it, because we're talking about accountability and discipline. Not everybody likes to be held accountable. No. And think about the world that we live in today. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, I coach seven-year-olds in baseball. And, and if you hold a kid accountable for, for something that he should or should not have done, if you try to make a kid be disciplined, you know, sport moms coming out of the bleachers, you know? And so those people eventually grow up to get jobs. And, and somewhere deep inside, we all think about Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. you know? When, when Adam ate of the fruit and God came down, and the first thing Adam said is what? It's that woman that you gave me. <laughs> he blamed God. He didn't want to even take responsibility. Not my fault. Not my fault. So we accountability, I think, is probably the biggest challenge because people are not comfortable with it. But whenever... Whenever you, you build a team and you give people simple tools and you you just encourage them to be open, honest, to lay everything out on the table and you create an environment that's conducive to people being open and honest, accountability just kind of happens. And we all raise our level to where you want to be. It's a matter of getting the right people in the organization. But whenever you do that, then you start to see accountability go up. And, and it's accountability is one of those things that I think um, – when I, when I work with, with younger salespeople, younger business owners, younger is the wrong word, new, right? One of the things I always encourage them is go find a coach. Don't wait for somebody to offer to coach. Go find a coach. Because what does a coach do? What's their real job? Coaches' jobs are to observe what you're doing from the outside, to see something that's going on, help you come up with a fix and it holds you accountable to fixing it. Right. So make sure I've, I've been blessed in my life. I've had some amazing coaches going all the way back to junior high basketball and, and, and it just continued throughout my life. Make sure you have good coaches because that's where you build that, that accountability muscle within yourself. Probably why you like coaching baseball. That's why I love coaching. I love coaching. It goes throughout your life. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, Jay. Um, so as you know, maybe some other people know, don't. My life was flipped upside down in December of 2019. So tell everybody a little bit that. Not everybody knows it, but right. some people do. So tell yeah. everybody a little bit about that. So I woke up, woke up December 28th, 2019. It was going to be one of the best days of my life. I was sitting on top of the world. I was leading a $40 million a year company from a sales organization standpoint. Um, was making more money than I ever dreamed I'd make in my life beautiful family. Things were going well. I was getting in my truck to drive to a private airplane hangar to take a, a trip to an LSU football game with one of my best friends. And so we board a plane and then 43 seconds later, everything changed. Like the, the plane crashes, everybody else on the plane is dead and I'm fighting for my life, burned on 75% of my body. And one of the things that I've reflected upon in, in, after that moment is starting with the first coach that I ever had who told me it's the little things that make a difference. And then my dad telling me that can't's not in the dictionary. And then Carl Scheibel, one of the who, who passed away last year, a great sales mentor of mine who used to always make me make sure I had a vision and make sure that I believed in the vision. 
Vaughn Crisp used to always challenge me to figure out a way to get to yes instead of finding a no and how to bring energy into the room. All those coaches mm-hmm. taught me stuff that they thought might help me be a better football player or they thought might help me be a better salesperson or they thought might help me be a better business leader. But it saved my life mm-hmm. because when, when you go through something like that and, and they put you in the ambulance and they, they call in your injuries and, and I'll never forget the, the poor paramedic calls and he says, we've got a mid thirties white male burn on 75, 80% of his body. I'm a former fireman. I know exactly what that means. That means that's, that's pretty close to a death sentence. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really is a miracle you're here. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. I mean, it is a miracle you're here. But the first words out of my mouth at that point were, damn, that's going to be a long recovery. Right. As opposed to I'm dead. As opposed to I'm dead. And, and I had that mentality because all the things that people had taught me through the years of how much your mentality matters. So the reason why I coach kids in baseball today is because something that I might teach those people today might save their life someday. Hopefully they don't need it. Maybe it just makes them a better husband. Maybe it makes them a better wife. Mm-hmm. The reason that I coach entrepreneurs to run their businesses is first of all, because the, the, the practices that it takes, the disciplines that it takes to run a good organization aren't that different than what it takes to run a good business, uh, a good sports team. Mm-hmm. Aren't that different from what it takes to run a good life. And to work with people to help them to learn the things that I was taught so that they could either save their business or save mm-hmm. their, their team or save their life. It, it, it drives me every day. I get fired up for it all the so, time. I hear two things in there that I think are really important. And there's a bunch of things that are really yeah. important, but there's two really, really, I think from anybody's perspective, much less a business owner. So um, one is understand that we're all coaches, right? <clears throat> we all have the ability to impact people's lives in ways that are good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when we're out there working with people who we have the opportunity to influence, there's a lot of positive we can do. So mm-hmm. you have, you named a half a dozen people or more who had a really positive that's, impact. That's the short list. Yeah, There's absolutely. A lot and so as business owners, you know, we have that, really anybody has that, but as business owners, we have a special position where we can impact people in a positive way. That's one big lesson. The second one I get is probably, um, it's a much broader lesson. When you heard the paramedic say, we have a 30 something white male burned over 80% of his body, 75, 80% of the body. And you said, that's a long recovery. You had a choice and we all have a choice, right? You had a choice in a moment in time to say, I can take charge of this and move forward or I can be a victim. Mm-hmm. And man, that's when you think about that, that's powerful because yeah. in re- any kind of really difficult recovery, whether it's my business is struggling or I'm seriously injured or seriously ill, a big, part of our recovery from that is going to come from that choice, right? That's right. You know, it's beautiful. You mentioned that we don't have a choice to be coaches, right? Coaches, mentors Mm -hmm. in our lives. No matter what we do every day, we're mentoring somebody. Somebody's watching us. And and it's just whether or not we're going to give them a good example or a bad example, but they're going to pick up on it. And when you think about your role as a business leader, the rest of the organization is looking at you to figure out where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that it was very important, uh, I learned this, actually, I read a book, um, David Ross, a catcher for the Chicago Cubs, Mm -hmm. wrote a book about the Chicago Cubs championship season. I read it right before the accident. One of the things that stood out to me 
was he talked about how important it was for him because he wasn't a star player to be the guy who always brought energy to the team and how impactful that was to the rest of the organization. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest compliments I ever got in my career was from one of our, uh, our leaders in our operation team. And she came to me and she said, wait, you know, when you're not here, we really miss your energy. Cause you just, you bring it. And so I remember when I went into the hospital, okay. So I, I go into the hospital, I'm in a coma for six days. And at Our Lady of Lords? At Our Lady of Lords, okay. yeah. So I go to they the hospital. a great burn unit. Fantastic. Best in, best in the country. Mm -hmm. For my money, you can send me there all day long. And well, the we people, don't want you to go back. Yeah, I don't want to go back. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, they put me in a coma for six days. And obviously I was out and then I woke up and, and the doctor later told me two things. First of all, I'll tell you this, every day that I woke up, I made a conscious effort to do two things. Number one, I wanted to protect my mentality. So I didn't allow negativity into the room. I didn't allow me to go to a negative place. I was really protective of my mentality because I knew that, that was important because mm -hmm. I had to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I made sure to bring good energy every day for the nurses and everybody else. I wanted them, number one, to know what to feel. Like, this dude's going to fight. I want to fight with him. And I wanted them to feel that coming into my room wasn't a terrible place to be because I knew that they would give me better care if they were in a good place. Mm -hmm. And so just think about that whenever we go through our day-to-day -day lives and business. What's the vibe that we're putting off to the rest of our organization? If we lose a big deal, if we mess up a shipment, if we mess up on an audit, like I'm not really good with the financial terms. You, you're going to have to help me. With audit, that. Good, audit is a good term. Audit's a good term. Okay. Audit's a good term. Good, good. So if we mess <laughs> if we up get a, a bad audit, that's never good. Right. Never good. Never good. So what's the vibe that you're putting off to the rest of the organization? Are you running around thinking, oh no, we're screwed or are you, running around saying, hey, we messed up, but we got it. It's just going to be a long recovery, mm -hmm. you know? And when you think about the teams that thrive through adversity, the first thing that they have is a real clear leader who never lets them believe that they're going to do anything other than win. And that's an important first step. Mm -hmm. And I'll remember, I'll never forget, later the, the head doctor who, who was in charge of my care while I was in the hospital, told me that there, they just knew that there was something different the day that I came in because they could feel that I was a fighter and mm -hmm. I wasn't going to give up. And, and that's important. That's the kind of impact you need to have on other people if you want them to help you execute what you want to do. And, and as a business owner, you know, we take that and you have to be a fighter. I mean, otherwise your business will fail. You know, it's just as simple as that. And it's a fight every day. It's, I mean, there's no doubt that it's not a fight every day because it is. It's, it's a fight every day. A good fight, but it's a fight. It's worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you think about this, and these are some, there are some pretty scary statistics out there, but the vast majority of small businesses in this country fail. The majority of marriages in this country fail. fail. And I think they fail for, for the same reasons, basically. Um, in addition to poor planning, lack of accountability and discipline, mm -hmm. oftentimes they fail because people just give up when it gets hard. Mm -hmm. and, and whenever it gets hard, they don't believe that there's something better on the other side. They don't want to go pursue the good through the hard work. Exactly. And there's nothing in this life good worth having that 
isn't preceded by a time of suffering, a time of trial, a time mm-hmm. of challenge. The, the harder it is typically on the front end, the better it is on the back end. So I, I'm not in great physical condition. Never had a six pack. You know, you know why I don't have a six pack? Because we like to eat. I, I, I love to eat. I don't like I don't like to suffer through stomach pains, right? Right. Number two is too dang hard to, to do the workout. Right? Oh, I don't yeah, want to run right. a mile. I don't have time for it. I don't want to commit to time for it. That's too much suffering. Right. That's not important enough to me, so I don't right. do it. And, right. and, and too many people, when we look at our business, we, we want all the glory that comes from running a good business, but we ignore the fact that it's going to take a lot of suffering to get through it. And here's the other thing. It's not just that su- suffering is, is beautiful. Suffering is powerful. And whenever we embrace the suffering, mm-hmm. right? or we like the Navy SEALs say, we embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. You know? When we see danger and we see something terrible, we say, good, it's going to make me better. That's powerful, man. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at an opportunity to suffer, to get through something as a purification process, to be on the other side, to be better, it takes it from suffering, something that you dread going through, to something that you look forward to because you know it's going to make you better and you're going to come out on the other side with something way better. And one of the things I tell people, my customers is, and pe- young people I work with too, is if you're really comfortable, you're probably not growing. No, yeah, so you're the only, only way to get somebody to grow is to make them really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. that's, a, I mean, that's, that's so, okay, so let's pivot a little bit. Yeah. You're Now you're doing your business. Right. You have Ignite. Um, you're doing well. I, I mean, I, I hear that you're doing well, so that's good. I'm sure there are some things that you see that companies do that they should do and things they shouldn't do and mistakes they make. And um, so kind of kind of give us, talk to business owners and say, okay, guys, here, here's what I'm seeing already. Um, and how do we make that better? One of, I think one of, that's a great question, by the way. Um, I think one of the things that I see people struggle with the most is on the sales side when they first launch their business. Now, I think it boils down to a few things. Um, maybe you're an extroverted person, a people person, but nobody's ever taught you the science of sales. Mm-hmm. And so they go into sales with no plan. and They just figure, hey, I'm going to shake a bunch of hands, sell a bunch of jokes, and people are just going to buy stuff. <laughs> The I other wish, one is wish that was true. Yeah, I wish it was right. Yeah. The other one is is they're introverted people who who in their we, we're all we're all taught from the very early age that sales is bad, mm-hmm. you know, and asking for stuff is bad. From the time you're a child, when if you ask for too many things, your parents slap you on the wrist, right? If if we're taught that no, hearing the word no is is painful, and so we we shy away from it. We're taught that the all salespeople are these sleazy, slimy peddlers that come and go watch a, an episode of Gunsmoke when the when the snake oil salesman comes mm-hmm. in. Right? That it, it's indoctrinated in our heads, and so we turn sales into this big boogeyman, and it cripples us. It, it paralyzes business owners. So, two things that I do to to help people from that perspective to get over that. Is, is number one, if you're an extroverted person, you're, you're a people person, spend time setting goals. You should have a goal every day. Mm-hmm. You should have a goal. How many people are you going to talk to? 
you should have a plan on what you're going to talk to and keep it simple, stupid. You know, go out, tell people about your business and tell a certain number of people about your business every day. And then eventually people are going to buy. Right? Even a you, scroll gets another number. That's right. You're going to, yeah, it's a numbers <laughs> game, right? right? Don't overcomplicate it. And then on the other side, people who maybe are, are nervous about sales, that comes off to other people. Mm -hmm. you know? And it goes again, really simple. Make a list of all the people who love you. And just go talk to them, tell them mm -hmm. what you're doing, and ask them for help. You'll be amazed at what happens. And so as small business owners, when we start our business, those two things will help leaders set their business up early on to start to attract the right amount of business. Now, once you get the ball rolling, it can get more complicated. You can bring in marketing. You, you start to, to maybe bring in more salespeople and you need a sales mm -hmm. process. In the beginning, get the ball rolling by doing those two things. Set yourself a daily number and just go out and talk to people that, you like, that like you and tell them what you're doing and ask them for help. And, and you'll be amazed at the results. Do you think some people um, avoid, or not avoid, but don't do the sales piece because they get so overwhelmed with the administration of the business? Or do you think it's just because they don't know how to sell? Or is the combination, some combination there? Uh, this, this may not be true, but this is, just goes back to my experience. Um, typically, people who say that they get bogged down in the administration of the business or bog down in the administration of the business on purpose. That's probably because it's it's comfortable. Right. It's less risky. Yeah. Nobody's gonna tell you no on a spreadsheet. It's true. I, yeah. I could say when I first started my business and it's been 20 years, one of the first things I did was say, I'm gonna outsource all find other people to do this, whether it's my CPA or hire somebody, we're gonna handle the administration this way because I need to grow my business and bring in income and I need to sell. I mean, yeah. you have to sell. So um, uh, like one of the, the one of the, the big productivity sappers that I find early on for businesses is a, a CRM tool, a customer resource management tool. It's a, it's a productivity killer for people. When you're starting a business out, you don't need to make sure that every person's name is in the CRM yet. If you don't have any revenue coming in, go get revenue and, and keep it keep a notepad with you all day. Right. Now, once your business starts to grow and it gets more complex and you start adding people, you're going to need a system to manage that complexity. Mm -hmm. So it's good to be thinking about it. But if you don't have revenue, that system's just killing productivity. And, and draining resources, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I have a CRM system. I hired our, our buddy over here, Joseph, to help me put all that stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but I've been in business for 20 years. Right. right. You've been in business for 20 years and you have somebody else you've delegated the CRM management to somebody right. else. It could be overwhelming. Yeah, um, absolutely. But a lot of it is early on when we start a business, you don't, most of us, when we start a business, we don't need 500 customers. We need five. Yeah. When your customers are awake, when your customers are awake, right. your CRM should be turned on. Right. If your customers are asleep and, and you want to spend time in the CRM. And, and you don't need a CRM for five customers. Exactly. Or 20 customers. You might exactly. need it if you have 200, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that that's um that's interesting. That's a that's a, a good perspective because I, I really wouldn't have thought of that until yeah. you said that. I mean, and with today's modern technology and younger business owners coming in, that's one of the first things they're hearing is you have to get this CRM and put all your friends and family in it, and you really need to generate revenue first. Yeah, generate <laughs> revenue. Get the get the tree growing. Another thing that I see is is as as people grow, as people start their business, and especially once it starts to grow is they really struggle with their vision. 
And the vision really boils down to just a few different components, right? So it's who are you as a person? What are the characteristics and traits that make you make you and the people that you want to work with who you are? What is the reason that you're doing the business? And who is that you serve and what is it that you do? And so we nail those things down and then get really, really specific on the goals and where you're going with the vision of the company and the plan to get there. Mm -hmm. And then make sure that you share that with everybody in your organization. Far too often, we have a vision. We know where we want to go with the business and we keep it to ourselves because uh, they, they just need to show up to work every day. Yeah, and that didn't work. Or we're maybe embarrassed about, about it. Or maybe we haven't spent the time on the plan. So while I said a while ago the, the CRM is a productivity killer, do spend the time on the front end establishing your goals for the organization and making a plan to get there. And the best example that I can give you for that, again, I mentioned earlier some great mentors. Carl Scheibel used to always – I was always a goals guy. So my dad, when I was 17 years old, made me make goals. Mm -hmm. And every year, I kept a goals list for the year, every year. And then at some point, I shifted that over to a dream board where I would actually put pictures that I could see and I could imagine what it was going to look like. <clears throat> well, flash forward after the accident, I created a dream board with a timeline with dates attached to it on what I was going to do in my recovery. Mm -hmm. And it started off really basic. I'm just going to sit up. I'm going to be able to hold an ink pen. I'm going to be able to feed myself. I'm going to be able to drive. I'm going to take my wife on a date night. We're going to go on vacation all the way down the list. I'm going to take my son hunting. Again. Mm -hmm. And then it ended with, I was going to throw a baseball with my kid because my shoulder was destroyed. So I put this timeline together. And you are throwing the baseball. Now. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I knew that. I yeah. just want to make sure everybody else knew. Oh yeah. <laughs> I shared this dream, this dream board, this timeline with everybody who had anything to do with my care, my family, my doctors, my therapists, everybody had a cop there. Okay. And then we put a plan in place. And so I would come into the therapy and they would ask me, hey, you throwing a ball yet? Get up. Let's go to work. Because if you let somebody else mm -hmm. into your vision and they can share it with you, they're not going to let you fail because they all know where we're going. And, and to you, like you said, I threw a baseball six months before my, my vision board said that I should be able to. This year, I, I was coaching a coach pitch team. I was the pitcher. And they said I would never throw a baseball game. But because I put it on a vision board, we tailored the plan specifically for the things that I wanted to accomplish so that I could accomplish. So think about your business. You have a vision. You know where you want to go. But if you don't lay out where you want to go and then tailor the plan specifically for it, how many different directions are the people in your organization going to be going? All over the place. It's going to be like a game of telephone. You know, and, and within five people touching it, the vision means something completely different to everybody. It becomes shelfware. Nobody looks at it. And we're just trying our best to get through eight to five every day. And that is how you kill an organization. Yeah. And just to let the listeners know, you Wade does live this because I don't know if you remember the conversation when I told you that I was pivoting and changing how we do business. And you asked me, wasn't a, you didn't say vision, but I knew where you were going with it. You asked me, what's your end game? Yeah. And it hadn't been asked to me that way. And I went, oh, I mean, I have a picture of what I want. I, don't, I hadn't decided on the end game yet. And then my wife asked me probably a month ago, all right, what are the steps? 
what are the steps? Where, where do you want to go with this? And what are the, and so at that point, um, I was able to articulate it and immediately got buy-in. Okay. I, I see the steps. I understand the end game. Now let's run. That's right. Yeah. So, um, my wife is the chief operating officer. She hates my calls. So we're gonna put it on. We're gonna put it on a video for her, so she'd really not be happy with me. Jay, those of us who know you, you and Robin know that uh, that, that she's been operating with you for a while. Oh, she, she, she's been keeping boss. you in line for a she's while. She's the boss. Thank God for her. <laughs> Otherwise, Lord knows where I would be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So now you. We're gonna. I'm gonna take another left turn. You started your own business, which is. You know, um, one. Why did you start decide to start your own business? So for me, it was. Um, it was I, I tried my best to do every other business under the sun except for this one, if you can imagine. So uh, after after the accident, you gotta you gotta remember, three fifths of our leadership team, in one way or another, were were deeply involved in that accident. So mm -hmm. I was in a coma. Our our operations leader was dead, and the president of the organization had lost his entire family. And so three-fifths three of our leadership team were no longer involved in the company. Most companies would have collapsed. Mm -hmm. Our company knew exactly what to do. They knew exactly where everything was. They were able to just pick up the, 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 the ball, take off and run it. They started creating new processes and solving new issues as they came up while we were out without having to be coached on it because we had a system in place. And they just mm -hmm. knocked out quarter after quarter after quarter. So... Flash forward, I get back up on my feet, get back to work, and it was time to do something different. My wife was actually the one who kept telling me, you need to go share that with other people. And, you know, short story long or long story short, however you want to look at it. As I kept praying about it and thinking about it, God wouldn't let me do anything other than come and share this system with other people. So that's why I started it, because it was so impactful to us. I saw what it can do. We... Mm -hmm. We got hit by the bus and Absolutely. I, knew, I knew what happened when we got hit by the bus. So I just had to go out and, and share the system with other people. Okay. So starting the business, good reason to start it, good picture, good vision. What's been the biggest stumbling block? So I'm not a detail oriented guy. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you, if you're familiar with Colby assessments, uh, I'm a low fact finder. High Ooh. fast start, right? Okay. Um, so that's the uh, I'm running hard. Look at somebody else. Okay, guys, clean this up. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm already over here. Y'all yeah. fix this for me. Yeah. So it's and uh, when you're a small business owner with one, with one. So McKenzie's, you're cleaning up. No, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't. We've we've agreed a long time ago that we can't work together. <laughs> okay. Because it's either that I'm a bad boss or she's a bad employee. I don't know which one it is, but it doesn't work. She's not a bad employee. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Yeah, I, think, I think you're right. Um, so no, it, it falls on me, and there are a lot of detailed things. So the biggest challenge for me has there were two two things. One, it, it has been just getting through the administrative stuff to get the business started and making sure I have everything lined up mm -hmm. the way it needs to be done. Fortunately, it's been easier for me because it's a part of a system. Mm -hmm. It's been more difficult because it's a part of a system and I have to do it all their way. Um, the, the other challenge for me, candidly, has maintaining discipline. I, I know how to build a sales plan. I know exactly mm -hmm. how many people I'm supposed to call. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I want to say whenever I call them. Mm -hmm. I know that exactly what I need to study. And, and I found myself 
trying to find other things to do other than, than do it. So all kind of distractions getting in the way of going out and, and just growing the business. And it's easy to do that, even when you know it. Um, fortunately for me, is again, I've, I've established uh, good coaching relationships, good accountability relationships, and people point it out whenever, whenever I get off track and I'm not doing it. It's, hey, you got to get back on track and, and get set up. Um, it's easy to get distracted, I think. And it's also easy to avoid something where you may have, even if not, if it's not who you are, this internal fear of, if I call five people, how many knows am I going to get? That's right. That's right. And these are people who love me. You know, you made yeah. how many knows am I going to get? Yeah. And it, it's inherently just a little hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get those no's tomorrow. <laughs> I don't need to do them today. See, I'll work on a spreadsheet today. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't get those no's. So the discipline things is, is a challenge and just, just keeping your nose to the grindstone and doing it. Um, I think every business, uh, it's a scary thing when you're dealing with capital making sure you have enough money mm -hmm. um and, and, and it runs out fast it runs out fast uh and and things always cost more than you budgeted for and banks are not you know just willy-nilly handing out money to small business owners even in the lifeblood of the, of, of the economy nope they don't they don't give money out to uh to entrepreneurial small especially businesses especially startups startups especially are startups. really really hard to get funding for very hard so that you have to save a lot of money, have a really good relationship with the bank at some point, and hopefully, and typically has to be a smaller bank yeah. because the bigger banks aren't going to help you with that. Exactly. There so, are some there are some firms out there that'll do some startup stuff, which another mistake, the stumbling block that I see businesses do is oftentimes the people will start a startup, and they want to have the perfect office space, they want to have the perfect logo. They want to have the perfect everything. They want to look bigger than they are right off, right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And they, they go and they, they overextend themselves on a lease. They overextend themselves on setting up the office. They overextend themselves on the website and they don't have revenue yet. So it goes mm -hmm. back to it again. Financing is hard to get. Make sure that you're driving revenue first as a business right. owner. Figure out how to get money in the door. And sometimes it's not, a lot of money that you have to get in the door just to keep things going. And usually for small business, if they get a few customers up front, that's really, that's the traction they need. You right? mentioned five earlier. And, and I know in a lot of business, it depends on the business and what you're selling, right? Um, I know for me, my goal is always to get to five. Even when I was in sales, just not even as a business, I wanted to get five clients. Because at that point, the referral tree starts to grow. For Absolutely. Them. People love what you do for them. And then they will send you people and, you also have good enough relationships with them where you can ask for the business, ask to send me a referral. There might be one or two people just crazy enough to do business with you mm -hmm. out there. And people will look at them and say, well, are you crazy? But once you get to five, it's kind of critical mass at that point, right? Yeah. There are enough people that trust this person or this company. Maybe I'll trust them too. Mm -hmm. And so you just focus on getting whatever that foundational level that you need for your referral tree to grow and put all of your energy in doing that within the first six months before your cash runs out. And it will run out quick. It does. Because yeah. it's definitely, in my own personal experience and seeing businesses start up is you, maybe they, I'll just use a random, maybe they think it's going to cost them 10. If they think it's going to cost them 10, it's going to cost them 20. Right. Always. Always. I mean, yeah. it's just always the way it is. If you think you know, doing things like websites today are a lot less expensive than they were, say, 
10 years ago, but if you think a website's going to cost you a thousand dollars, it's not, it's going to be six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars right. to do it right. Right. And so um, it, it's always, it is always more. And if you don't have a cushion, then what are you going to do to eat? That's right. You know, <laughs> but it's one of those things that it, it's the chicken or the egg, you know, it's, it's difficult to describe. We've talked about being uncomfortable before. I've seen a lot of businesses really take off whenever the business owner was down to his last month's rent. Mm -hmm. Cause guess what? He's getting out now there selling. Has. So <laughs> he's right. Get out there selling. Now, now she has to get up and go, you know? Yeah. And so that that's, it's a, it's a delicate balance. You almost have to have an abundance mindset. Like I'm independently wealthy. I don't need any money so that people will trust you, you know, like desperate. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you have to have a, a mindset where, I have no money. I have no cushion. I have to make it happen today. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a delicate balance. And it again. never goes away, really. Even if you have that big cushion and for a business owner, it's um, I describe it as just kind of like rebirthing a child every right. day. You really have to rebirth that child every day because you have to generate the income. You have to do the work. I mean, it's um, it's a lot. It, it's very much worth it. Right. Absolutely worth it in every way, shape or form because that personal independence and the ability to um take care of people and take care of your family is, uh, and it's, you're making money for yourself. Right. right. Um, you okay. To, you just wrote one more last thing. Go ahead. You have to be growth oriented though. And by growth oriented, I mean, you have to be afraid, more afraid of the status quo than you are of change. Mm -hmm. And I'll use a, a Vince Lombardi quote. Lombardi used <clears> to always drive home to his people that nobody stays the same. You get better or you get worse every day. So it's up to you. When you feel like you've arrived and you pull back on the throttle, you have begun the process of getting worse. You've begun the process of dying because mm -hmm. in business it's grow or die. And, and you're either Absolutely. growing externally or internally, but you constantly have to be figuring out how to grow. And I think that's how you balance that, that difference. It doesn't matter how much money I have. I want to get better today. And we take that approach, it, it helps you to launch. It's interesting. I had, a, I had a conversation, this was several years ago, with um, a man who was the president of the company, right? And there were some changes that needed to be made. Um, he was in his late 50s. You know, I'm 59, turning 60, but he was in his late 50s. And he said, I'm just too tired to do all these changes. And my response to him was, well, but you have 200 families that are dependent on what you Yeah. And you need to change. So people are change resistant, but today, even more so because the pace of change is we have to be innovative and look at those changes and um, we have to. Or get somebody else in there who's going to do it for right. you. Or, or your business will die. That's right. I mean, your business will die and it will. Yeah. And I think the last 18 months has shown where we've had some people who are not willing to change the way they do business and they have, their businesses have died and then you have other people that have literally thrived in this time. That's and right. And you want to go learn from them. That's right. What did you do? You brought up an interesting thing there. You just real snippet. You, you basically alluded to somebody who's at, we've been talking about starting a business. There's a whole different set of rules that you need to look through, a different lens you need to look through when we're talking about exiting the business. And you kind of just described the business that's ready for the founding entrepreneur to exit the business. Mm -hmm. and, and it's important that whenever you're in a business and you reach that point where, and, and it's, it's this, this is true for all of the people in the organization. 
everybody in the organization has to know what their roles are and be willing, ready, and able to do it. Get it, they have to get it, want it, and have the capacity to do that role. And if at any point they don't want it anymore, it's, it's time, time to put somebody it. else in that organization, in that, in that role. And that happens in businesses. Certain people get to a certain point and they say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you own a business and you don't want to be a part of it, there are some excellent exit strategies out there that you can put in place. Mm-hmm. Get somebody else in there to run your company and you go live your best life. Yes. And, and you just need to be honest with yourself when you hit that point that I don't want it anymore. And not everybody's willing to do that. That's it, a tough... You see it. I mean, you do see it because it's a tough call. Because you're letting go of your children. You let go of the vine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of wrap it up for me. Give give, um, in our conversations, we've talked about finding coaches and mentors and pitfalls in the business and startups. You know, um, I'm a business owner. Mm -hmm. Give me the three most important things. Um, Three most important things. I'll start with this one because I think I I wish everybody would 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 implement this in their life across the board. Um, take life 43 seconds at a time. Okay. I've never heard that. So, so tell if, me what that means. Well, 43 seconds is how long my, my, my plane flight lasted. Okay. And that so that makes it relative. And so for me, I used to always say I was going to do something. And, and I would put those things on a long term board. And it wasn't until I started to realize that, you know what? Tomorrow's not guaranteed to me. I'm going to make these changes now that things started to open up. And, and I'm now in an opportunity where I get to live my best life. What I've always wanted to do, I'm doing today. I'm not waiting anymore. It's hard and it's challenging, but don't be afraid to take that jump. At the same time, don't be a, you have to look at the way that you're living your life and make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to be successful now across the board. The second thing is find something that you believe in. And, and believe in it wholeheartedly. And if you believe it, can you convince anybody else that it's going to happen and, and drive those things home and, and build that vision out and share that with as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I think finally, the, the most important thing I'd say, if anybody takes it away from this is, is accountability and discipline are very important. And, and we should all strive to learn something everywhere we go get better every day. So find those coaches, those mentors, those people that are going to come in that are going to look at you from the outside with an objective view and, and that are going to help you to get better by just pointing out your, your weaknesses and your areas that you can't possibly see. There's a reason offensive coordinators sit in the box above the field at a football game because they're above the fray. Mm-hmm. They can see things that you can't see. Find somebody who, who can coach you to become the best you and, and don't waste any time. Go after it all with all your heart and get after it and go get it. It's awesome. I love that. I th- I'm going to get that put on a board somewhere. <laughs> live like 43 seconds at a time. I think that's, <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's because you know, and finding the passion. I mean, people, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then everybody will know it. That's right. Right. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's beautiful. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Um, if you want to see more, you can find us at highperformanceteams.net. And uh, Wade, thank you so much. It was Thanks. a pleasure.
Thank you, Jay. Always a pleasure Absolutely. having you here. Hopefully you'll come back and see us yeah, again. Hope. I'm looking forward to watch your business grow and, and do great things for other businesses. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, and I appreciate you being here. I hope you get to, I get to come back we'll see how this goes. I'm going to ask for the Kinsey's permission and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Wade. Thank you, Jay.